Hello, welcome to the Live Day Live podcast. My name is Nina, and today I will have a conversation with Camille Gaumont. Each episode, a different guest joins us to talk about a topic that is dear to them, such as a passion, or to tell us about an experience that left a mark in their life. In this episode, Camille will talk about a powerful experience which marked her stay in Brazil. Camille, could you tell us in a few sentences what you will share with us today? So, hello. Today, I wanted to talk to you about one of the of the experiences that have Uh, marked me the most in the last year mm-hmm. so uh, I'll be sharing with you um, the story about the time I went to a terreiro a ceremony of Umbanda mm-hmm. okay great before we start I like to talk a little bit about how uh, the guests and I know each other so Camille and I actually met quite a long time ago I don't even know the year maybe it was like 2010 or something like that I think I think 2012 2012 maybe 2011 yeah maybe 2011 so we're both french and uh, we both lived in mexico at that time so camille stayed longer than i and then i left mexico but that's how we know each other basically mm-hmm. and so the first question i'm going to ask camille is about her education as due to her education she spent a year abroad in brazil and then that's where she lived Her experience. So you went to Sciences Po, which is a school in France. Maybe you can introduce Sciences Po better than I can because I didn't go there. But when did you first know that you wanted to apply to Sciences Po? Because I remember that when you were already in high school, you already wanted to go there, no? Yeah, so my dad first talked to me um, about Sciences Po when I was like 15 years old. And at the time, I wasn't interested at all in studies and <laughs> universities. But my dad was like, mm, you should go check out uh, Sciences Po. I think you could like it. And uh, so I read the whole website and I was really blown. Uh, and I really wanted to go into this university. And then I, st- I started to check other universities, but none of them interested me as much as Sciences Po. So I decided to, to come to Sciences Po to, to apply for Sciences Po. It's a school of uh, social sciences. So it's in five years. You have the, bach- the bachelor and then the master. And it's really... Well, if some people are interested in Sciences Po, I really recommend it because it's a really uh, large university. You have uh, several campuses. On the two first years, you can choose which campus uh, on which campus you want to study. I went to the Poitiers campus, which is specified in Latin America, Spain and Portugal. So we have classes on on all of these countries and these countries politics etc etc and we also have a lot of international students coming from latin america spain and portugal and yeah so they there are several campuses then you you get the chance to do an exchange year this is when i went to to brazil and then as you do your master right now i'm in the first year of master you come back to paris and then it's like a more professionalizing um, course. Okay, cool. So I realized that I forgot to ask you how old you were and if you wanted to introduce yourself. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more about uh, how old you are and then why you decided to focus on the region of Latin America since you went to the campus in Poitiers. Yes, so I'm 21 years old. I was born in 99. I'm living in Paris uh, currently. And I wanted to go to the Poitiers campus because I lived seven years in Mexico where I met Nina from the 11 years old to 18 years old. 
So it was really a big part of my life. Um, all my teenagers were in Mexico. So I wanted to keep this Latin spirit. Mm -hmm. Cool. And I really, I really enjoyed it in Poitiers. Yeah, I can imagine. So during your exchange, like you said, you went to Brazil. Was it the first time that you went to Brazil? Or? For my ex exchange year, I wanted to come back to Latin America, but uh, have a different experience from Mexico. And so as I had two years of Portuguese classes, uh, I decided to go to Brazil. It was my first time I, I had never been to Brazil and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, mm -hmm. Do you want me to, to say more about Brazil? Yes, of course. Uh, yeah, so you could tell us a little bit about your experience or how 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 did you find Brazil and then where did you live? And also, so you spoke Spanish, of course, but you didn't speak Portuguese, right, when you arrived in Brazil? I had two years of Portuguese classes, but of course, I had like a B1 level, B2 maybe. It wasn't uh, that good but arriving to Brazil of course I, I practiced it and now I do speak currently it wasn't that hard because it's really it does look a lot like uh, Spanish so I went to Sao Paulo because I wanted to be in a big city and I don't know I was attracted by Sao Paulo and I went to the USP which is like the main um, public university in Brazil And I was studying international relations. We arrived, I was with several friends from Poitiers, so I wasn't totally lost and, and alone. Um, and at first we were in an Airbnb. It was amazing. Uh, like the, the host of our Airbnb was this man uh, who loved to go in discotheques. And we just went to clubs and it was amazing. And then I found a room in a family's house. And so it was really interesting to, to be living with a Brazilian family and they were really nice. The mom was really like my second mother. She, whenever I had like little is uh, health issues, she was there to help me. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, to be fair, I didn't do uh, a lot of things. Like I hadn't a lot of work at the university. Uh, so I had a lot of free time. I made, well, this is one of my regrets. I didn't make uh, a lot of Brazilian friends. I, I made like a Spanish friends group. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know. I was friends with a lot of Spanish people. And yeah, we, we went out a lot. We, we traveled a lot. We Luckily, uh, we had like three months of, of vacation just before the, the COVID happened. And uh, we had to come back earlier than than we thought yeah it's nice that you had some time to stay in brazil before you had to come back to france because of the covid so when did you come back like how long did you stay in brazil in total i stayed nine months i think like i arrived at the end of july and i stayed until i stayed until the like 15th of march something like that okay great and, and so and No, just like it's a really beautiful country, and if the people have the 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 chance to go visit, it's really really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, could you tell us now about uh, Ubanda and your experience? Who told you about this religion and how did you get the opportunity to participate to a ceremony? Because this is the experience you want to talk about today. So you participating in a ceremony and 
how how did you get introduced to this religion yeah so um when i was in brazil i sensed that there were a lot of racial issues this country has a big heritage of slavery there were many many slaves for many many years a lot of actual brazilians are descendants from from slaves So I, I was talking a lot to, uh, I have a, a friend of mine from, from Poitiers was uh, doing her exchange year in Salvador da Bahia, which is another city on the east, more to the north of the Brazil. And it's known for being like a cultural and racial center, like it's the cultural heart of, uh, of Brazil. It's got a lot, uh, a lot of Afro-Brazilian uh, people and culture and music. So I was talking a lot to my friend and she told me that she was living with two Afro-Brazilian girls. She told me that whenever she hanged out with them and with, with their group of friends, uh, she realized that there was really this culture and these differences. And uh, it was, she was really impressed by by this. So I think before coming to visit her, I already knew that this was a big culture and a big part of Salvador da Bahia. And I was really uh, curious about, about it because, of course, I'm, I'm French, I'm European, European, I'm white, and I uh, don't know anything about Afro-Brazilian culture. And yeah, so this is how I first heard about it. Okay, so this is how you first heard about it. And then Where were you and how did you have the opportunity to participate in a ceremony? I was visiting my friend, her name is Zoe. Uh, I was visiting my friend in Salvador. She told me that a friend of hers, well, it's a friend of a friend of a friend. <laughs> well, she invited uh, Zoe and me to her house and she told us that she would go to, cere uh, to a ceremony of Umbanda with a friend of hers. So the girl who introduced us i'm sorry for her but i don't really re remember her name so she was a brazilian girl and she was attending to to these ceremonies like every week for about a year and a half so she was really a part of the community and she well uh, luckily she led us into into it and she proposed us to to see the ceremony to attend it and to yeah To, to, to understand better how it worked. And so when Zoe told me that we could go there, I was really, really happy because I had always been curious about all of these Afro-Brazilian religions and uh, ceremonies. Okay. So I think we really were lucky because I don't think it's really easy to go into a, a terre uh, the, the name Terreiro is like the place where the ceremony is held just like a church for the, the, the Christian people, for example. When you're not into these communities, it's not mostly when you're a tourist. Maybe it's a, a little invasive to go into the terreiro. So as we were inv invited, we, we have the chance to go there. Mm -hmm. And do you think the fact that you speak uh, Portuguese, because at that point then you could understand Portuguese, right? And yeah. did it help you also because you spoke Spanish? Do you think you were able to go to the ceremony because you knew a Brazilian person and because you spoke Portuguese? Yeah, of course. The fact of speaking Portuguese was essential. Like I, I couldn't, I wouldn't have understand anything because the whole ceremony is held in Portuguese and everyone's. So yes, going to those ceremonies without speaking Portuguese, I think it's a bit difficult. 
So when you went there, you didn't know a lot about Humbanda, just a little bit from what your friend had told you, right? And yeah. could you explain to people who are listening to this uh, podcast and don't really know what Umanda is, what you know about it at least, and what happened during the ceremony? So from the beginning to the end? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, just like before explaining it, uh, ex- explaining it, I just want to say that I'm no professional, I'm no Brazilian. I, I'm not part of this community. So um when I speak about it, I only speak about with my point of view and I don't want to be invasive. And of course, a lot of other people will speak way better about Umbanda and, and Candomblé that, than me, but I'm just like sharing my experience and I don't want to. Yeah, of course. It. Yeah, it's just you sharing your experience and what happened when you were there. Yes. So the little uh, I know about this is the common appellation for the Afro-Brazilian religions is candomblé. It's like a mix between the African religions uh, inherited by the slaves, uh, some Christianity too inherited by the the Portuguese colons. In Brazil, it's really interesting because you have this mix of really, really local religions that would uh, exist nowhere else. In the Umbanda is like a specific religion within like the big family of uh, Candomblé. It relies heavily on the divinities, which are the Orishas. The Orishas are divinities from the nature. There are masculine and feminine divinities. For example, the Orisha of the sea is called Yemanja, and she's one of the of the most important uh, Orishas. But for many um, natural elements, you have Orishas. So the divinities are the Orishas. The people of the community, uh, well, they can be just like people following the, attending the ceremonies, but there are also a lot of priests and priestesses. And usually every community of Umbanda, every terreiro, every church is lead, is led uh, by a woman. Like the, the, the leaders are always women. Uh, I think that's really interesting because like if you com- compare it to, to the Catholic religion, for example, well, there are only almost only men uh, in the positions of power and here, mostly led by, um, by women. So I think it, it gives a different energy. In the Umbanda, the spirits are, are also ever, really, really important. Do you want me to, to describe how a ceremony is held? Yeah, so maybe we can go step by step. So first of all, what happened when yeah. you arrived there? So were you uh, watching? Was there like a public or how did it take place? The terreiro is like a public room. You have an altar with, if I remember well, representations of the of the Orishas. And then in front of this altar, you have like um, an empty space, which is pretty big. And then all around this empty space, you have a lot of uh, seats of chairs. Right in front of the altar, you've got the, the seat of the, the main preta, which means black mom. Uh, she's the, the leader of the community. Okay. Okay, so then when you arrived there, did you, so you sat at one of those chairs then, or no? Yeah, so so we arrived, they gave us, they gave everyone, everyone a ticket, and we sat on the chairs. Okay, and then you, what happens at the beginning, is there like a specific ritual? 
Yeah, so at the beginning of the ceremony, a few dozens of, few, of people arrived and filled the, this empty space in, in front of the altar. They were separated between men and women. There was a group of men and a group of women. And they were all dressed in white and they had big colors. And they all started chanting, dancing, uh, playing music, playing on, on drums, like... Um, traditional uh, traditional songs and the, the the girl who had invited us explained to us that these were chants to invoke the the orishas the divinities and also the spirits uh, like invite them all to come and join us and uh, so what is interesting is that every time that a ceremony is held they well the orishas are always the same but the the spirits invoked are different like there are groups of spirits who can be invoked and uh, the night we were there it was the pretos velios the old black people who who were slaves uh, like for a hundred years ago uh, but for example, another night, it could have been the, the a group of indigenous spirits native from, from Brazil. And after the, the Orishas and the spirits were invoked, they started the, the phase of the incarnation. So they played a, a music which was really heavy and fast and like really, um, how could you say that? Like really taking, I don't know if you can say that. Yeah, yeah. A really taking, uh, taking music really deep, you know. And the, so the priests and the priestesses were, it's a bit difficult to describe, but they were standing up and uh, as, as the music continued playing, they were like looking upper and upper and, you know, a, a bit like moving their body, just like if they were in some kind of a trance. And then, like, one by one, they, like, arrived to, like, a peak of, of the trends. And then suddenly, bam, they bent down. And when they stood up again, they were, like, incarnated by the spirits. And so even if the people were um, 20, 30, 40 years old, they were really, their body was like a, an old person body they were uh, like shaking they were really they were crooked and uh and so most of the priests and priestesses were incarnated by by the spirits but some of them weren't it's not like systematic and uh then they all started it was i think it was my favorite part because it's i mean the you never know what is really happening and this is also the magic of of those ceremonies but it was just like if the spirits were in those people's bodies and they were like really really old old friends from 400 years ago who were meeting each other and like oh how are you and they were talking talking the other people who who were not incarnated or who were too young to be incarnated started to bring them food beverages, cigarettes, because in the Umbanda, you believe that when the spirits come to the ground and into the human bodies, they, they want to enjoy this experience and they want to be able to uh, feel what they miss feeling, you know, like with their senses, with, with their bodies. So they love drinking, uh, eating good food, smoking. So it's really like a, a convivial moment and they really take their time you know they they enjoy being in the bodies 
what is interesting about the, the girl who invited us there is that she had been incarnated one time and uh, she told us that she was incarnated by an old man. Well, here's another interesting thing. Uh, it's not like women's spirits incarnate women and it's not like a binary thing. You can be incarnated by a man or a woman. It's like there's no gender okay. uh, involved. And so she, as a, as a young woman, was incarnated by an old man, uh, an old man's spirit. This old man loved smoking. And um, usually the, those ceremonies last like three, four hours. So you're incarnated for like tra- hours straight. And this old man loved smoking. So he, he kept smoking and smoking for three hours. And then when she, she came back to her body, and wasn't incarnated anymore. She just started coughing and coughing a lot because she's not used at all to smoking and she, she actually hates it. So when she told us that, I just kept, I was amazed. I was like, oh my God, but this is true. I mean, she, of course, they, they aren't playing theater, you know, uh, but the fact that she was smoking for three hours really shows that there is something happening here, you know? Mm-hmm. so here's an, an anecdote I, I found funny okay yeah that's very interesting and so during the ceremony if I'm not wrong you told me before we started recording this podcast that then the spirits talk with the the public right the people who are present at the ceremony and one of them also talked to you could you tell us who the spirit was and what they said to you specifically Yes, the main goal of this ceremony is to be able to talk to these spirits and have their their knowledge and like advices uh, or something. Yeah, yeah. And uh, usually the people come with problems or anxieties, and they talk to the to the spirits about it, and and the spirits can give the give the, give them advices, etc. It was it was funny, you know, just like at the bank uh, when you've got a ticket and you get called by your number. Well, it was just like that. They called the numbers of the tickets, and uh, we were almost like uh, the last ones to be mm-hmm. to be called. Of course, I was really nervous because I was like. Oh my God, am I, am I really about to talk with a 400 years old spirit of an old uh, woman slave? And, you know, like those little coincidences of the universe. Well, at first when I was uh, watching them being incarnated, so a few hours before I got to talk to, to the woman, I was watching specifically at, uh, at one woman being incarnated and actually I got to talk with her so I was like "Hmm, that's funny Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I I arrived and I was in front of her and an assistant because every spirit has an assistant like a translator also yeah like a translator who helps them in 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 any way this old woman was called uh, Joanna and she was a slave for like 400 years ago I arrived and she was like mm, give me your hand and no no uh, first she started little talking to me and she was like oh where are you from uh, what's your name and uh, I told her I was from France and she was like oh so it's your first time in this ceremony you must be shake and a bit uh, you must feel a bit weird and I was like yeah totally like I'm really interested but I'm also like whoa I, I don't know what's happening you know and mm-hmm. um 
what what was really funny is that when when I told her I was from France, uh, she was like, oh, she talked to me about a man, a French man, which like 60 years ago created a whole new religion in Brazil. This religion, I'm sorry, I can't remember the name, has a big, big community and it's a big thing in Brazil. And so she told me, oh, so maybe you've heard of this uh, French man. So you must know that we exist and our ceremonies exist since a long time before him. And uh, we're not like we're uh, something independent from this other religion, with what we, which was created like 60 years ago. So to say that they're not uh, related. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then she she grabbed my hand. She asked me if I had specific questions. I hadn't because I had no idea what to ask to, to a 400 years old spirit. And she told me, well, she was like, okay, uh, just breathe out. Just focus, you know, on, on my hand. And then she told me uh, that I needed to be precautious. She really, really insisted on that. She was like, Ah, você tem que ser cautelosa, cautelosa. And uh, at first, uh, I didn't understand this word, this word because I didn't know what it meant in Portuguese. So the the assistant translated it to me in English. And so we we were talking uh, for a bit in English. Joanna, the spirit, uh, was like talking to the translator. What in in what language are, are you talking? And he told, Well, it's English. Don't you know it? And she was like, Oh no, no. I don't know it. I only know how to speak an indigenous language from Brazil. But, you know, she hadn't heard of English, which is crazy. So she really insisted on me being uh, precautious. Uh, so I was like, okay, I will be pre precautious. And then she told me that one day I would have a good love. So I was happy about it. And she gave me a, re a recipe of a banyo de folias, uh, which is like a, a bath of herbs. Usually the, they do give you advice and a recipe for a bath of herbs because it's supposed to have like a healing and a lot of good effects on your body. So you have to, to get those specific herbs. They, they tell you uh, the ritual you have to make once you're alone at home with your herbs. Okay. And that was it. Okay, yeah, that's very interesting. We were like uh, five people coming uh, for the first time. My my friend Zoe got to talk with a with an old man, and uh, she asked him what was driving the world, what what was behind it all. Uh, he told her that you can call it whatever you want. You can call it God. You can call it nature. You can call it I don't know spirits. Uh, but that there is something, and that as the sun makes grow the plants and is like a really fulfilling energy and that we all need the sun that there is something and that it's really helpful and uh, and positive to to be able to feel this being this spiritual energy in order to to be yourself uh, happier and and in peace and so you're um, saying like so you're saying like an energy that we should all feel if i understand correctly mm -hmm. And what I found really interesting in what uh, he said to my friend is that he was like, you can call it however you want. So, you know, it was a really a message of, toler of tolerance, not like uh, preferring one religion uh, to another. What was also really 
really moving is that we were with another guy friend of Zoe. He got out of his conversation with a spirit crying. He was really, really moved and touched. And uh, he told us that the, the spirit had told him uh, things like which were really deep about his family, about him, and that almost nobody knew. So he was really moved and literally in tears. So it was really... Um, Really I don't know, emotional. I was, yeah, really emotional. And I was really impressed leaving this ceremony. Okay, so from what I understand, then it was really emotional for you and it was a lot for you to take in and to reflect on. So I'm guessing that when you left the ceremony, you probably had a lot of thoughts in your mind and reflected on on the world and on yourself. So how were the few hours that followed? What was your thinking process and how did you feel simply? Well, we we talked about it, uh, we talked about it a lot with uh, with Zoe. But leaving the ceremony, we were really feeling emotionally and intellectually exhausted, like really, really no energy left, uh, because uh, we had spent like four hours uh, trying to understand something which is really different from us, and also, you know, like. I was raised in a Christian family, a Catholic family. But then when I was a teenage girl, I was like, oh, I don't believe in God anymore. And now I have no idea if I, if I believe in God or not. Of course, at first, I, I didn't believe it. I was like, I, I don't know if I believe in spirits or not. But to me, to my Carthesian brain, I, I feel like you cannot be uh, literally incarnated by a spirit. But... I've seen all of these people gather around this ceremony and seeing them, well, you know, it's they, they are not faking anything at all. And maybe you could find um, a scientific explanation to, to, to it. Maybe, you know, they, they managed to, to make their brain into being like auto-hypnotized or something. But I also, like, want to believe it because I think it's a really really beautiful thing and this is what I'll remember it about it because it's really really old tradition and all and all of these people still gather around it they all like uh, look together for a, sol a solution to their problems uh, the, the girl who invited us told us that since she started to go to these ceremonies she she's really felt a lot better Like, she's felt like she has a new family, you know. And all of this culture of giving tribute to your ancestors and being aware of your history, even more when it's a hard history, like of slavery and of racism and of inequalities. Well, I think that's really beautiful. And in the end, they welcomed us, like, with no problem at all. And I think it was really great to be able to see this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there was really a powerful message behind um, yes. behind this experience. Mm -hmm. After coming back to France, I had to do an essay and uh, I decided to do it on the Black feminism in Brazil because it's a really strong movement. And I read, and uh, I, I think it really does, that um, all those Afro-Brazilian religions are really empowering to women because they do have, if not in leading role at least an equal role to to men in all of those ceremonies all the leaders are my my spiritus 
all the villages are women. And it's also, you, you know, you also have like a lot of Orishas, which are women and which praise for strong femininity. And that really moved me. And, uh, and I... And I really think it's great for the women to have such models. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know about uh, this religion before you talked to me about it. But it's very interesting to, to mm-hmm. hear what, what you said about it. And, and yeah, I think, like I said, that there's a, also a message behind your experience that's, that was also important to you because you said uh, that you thought about it for the following days so for you it was really like when I told you about this podcast you told me that it was an experience one of the most I don't know if you could say like important or one of the experiences that marked you the most in those past months I think yeah yeah if not the most like it was really surreal and really intense emotionally and like spiritually and intellectually intense like also because it's so different from everything everything I know even from everything I got to know in Sao Paulo because you know Brazil is like the the size of Europe and of course mm-hmm. you have so many different realities within Brazil being being able to see this afro brazilian religion and culture was really really great yeah Okay, so I think an important part of what you said is really that this experience made you reflect on your beliefs. And like we said at the beginning of this podcast, you also lived in Mexico and you have traveled a lot. So could you tell us maybe a little bit about how your ways of thinking were challenged? I don't know if you could say it like this throughout your life. And did you uh, in the past experience something similar to the story you just told us right now? Yeah, uh, like when I first moved to Mexico, I was 11 years old and I didn't want to move there at all. I, I remember crying for three days, but then like being able to reflect on it now, I think it's the best thing our parents gave us because we had the opportunity to live in such a beautiful um, country, to get to meet another culture, to to get to speak another language. And I think yeah moving to Mexico was really challenging 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 at first but it did teach us uh, to my brothers and me a lot of things then I wanted to come back to France for my studies and then I, I went to Brazil and what was interesting between my experiences in Brazil and Mexico were that in Brazil I was like on my own so I could do whatever I wanted to do and uh, as in Mexico I was more protected by my by my parents I was more you know in this like golden bubble uh, mm-hmm. and I was all, almost only hanging with friends uh, with fr- French people and everything so in Brazil I got the experience to do a lot of these travels and experiences on my own or with my friends which is real, really different than with your family yeah would and you then, say that in brazil you were more like confronted to reality maybe yeah i think so you know just like the fact of going to cheap hostels and airbnbs well you do know like more different places and um, also uh, of course Like you, you have to remain safe and, and not go everywhere. But for example, with my friends, we we got to 
uh, do a road, road trip in like mm-hmm. the northeast of, of Brazil. And we were, uh, we were discovering like really little villages and uh, little cities and beaches. And uh, it was really, really, really interesting. But of course, we, like everyone would, would look at us because all my friends are, are, are blondes and we were all like white blonde girls and um, we were kind of an attraction too. But I think Brazil and this experience of the Terreiro has made me think about like, how do you deal with the other, you know, how do you deal with alterity? How do you make sure that you are not, you are not hurting anyone? Uh, well, I do. I do know that I'm really privileged to a bunch of other people. Uh, just like the fact of being, I don't know, a white person in a in a black assembly makes me privileged. I have, and I think we all have, to be aware of our privileges and when we need to speak up or not, uh, or when we need to remain quiet. Yeah, I think this it, it, this experience in the Terreiro was also interesting in in that in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's also. A big part of tourism is to know how to be a tourist without just like you know visiting the beautiful places and visiting the different sites but also to think about what your place is and how to be respectful towards the the community and to really learn about the the culture and the country that you're visiting and not just to visit uh, places but that would be also a whole conversation that then would make this episode may be much longer so i think uh, we can stop the episode here except if you have something that you want to add can you no just maybe like the fact that you know right now we can't travel anymore for i i don't know how many long but maybe we can take you know this time to think on, on what what you just said like how do we travel uh, or not in a more ethical way mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah it's important Well, it was a very interesting conversation and I didn't know about this topic. So I was glad to have this conversation with you. And I thank you, Camille, for coming on the podcast and talking about an experience that was dear to you. Yeah, I thank you for coming here. Well, thank you for inviting me and uh, for giving me this opportunity. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. And be sure to listen to the next episode, which will also be very interesting. We will talk about public health. But for now, I want to leave you with Camille's Instagram, if you want to follow her. Camille, do you want to tell us what it is? Yeah, it's Camille Paté, uh, C-A-M-I-L-L-E-P-A-T-H-E. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much again for joining this podcast. And this is Nina signing off.